Ben, Ben Avery here from the Comic Book Time Machine. Just to uh, quickly remind you that these following episodes were actually taken from a larger episode and cut up into more easily indexed, smaller portions. So there are going to be times when I talk about, you know, next in this episode or previously in this episode, because originally these were released as long episodes that covered a single month of the comics. A long time ago, on a spinner rack far, far away. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode 32, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, issue number five from December 1977. Godzilla number five is called The Isle of Lost Monsters. It was written by Doug Mensch. Tom Sutton is the guest. Uh, last week was called the guest uh, artist. This week, he's just the the penciler. He is still a guest, even though they don't say that he is. Uh, next week, I think Herb Trimpey is scheduled to come back. But uh, he's inked by Klaus Jansen, who is the anchor for Frank Miller. When Frank Miller was getting started and doing some of the crazy new stuff that Frank Miller was trying to do. Klaus was right there helping him out, pushing him out there and, and being that anchor who's able to pull out from the pencils the the unique qualities that were just required. Uh, that's what inks, inkers do. They pull out the artwork that's in the pencils and they present it. They enhance it rather than just uh, trace it as as the argument goes. Last issue, S.H.I.E.L.D. was... Protecting an island from Godzilla. The island was run by Dr. Demonicus, who now wants to play Godzilla versus S.H.I.E.L.D. against each other so that the one side will wear down the other side. And then Dr. Demonicus can come in and swoop in and get whoever wins because they'll already be weak. So last issue felt very Godzilla-ish. It was that had pop sci-fi social commentary, uh, you know, had big monster fights and just, you know, it's just cheesy enough to be good but not bad enough to be bad it was it was really solid godzilla it's what i would expect from marvel's godzilla from marvel universe godzilla this issue well let's find out the battle continues and as it goes agent dum dum dugan and gabe catch a glimpse of dr demonicus's other monsters and realize then that this island is probably not a regular, you know, base, uh, American base is what they keep calling it. Um, it's actually, there's, there's some problems here. And so Dr. Demonicus, he realizes that they have seen. And so he releases all of them. He releases Gilaron, Leprax, and Centipore, which all sound fairly Godzilla-ish, not as much as the one from last issue, but they're close. One of them is a moth and could have been Mothra, except that I wonder if, Toho didn't allow them to use any of those other monsters. So two of those monsters attack Godzilla. The moth attacks Dum Dum Dugan's copter 
as Gabe is hanging out of it. And so S.H.I.E.L.D. backs off now that they know that something else is going on here. They back off, back off their attack from Godzilla. Godzilla takes on those two creatures. Gabe ends up actually in Dr. Demonicus's control room as he falls away from the helicopter and ends up in the base. And like I said, Dum Dum Dugan has to fight the, the moth from his helicopter. Also, the slaves are seeing this, the, the Eskimo slaves, and they are rising up against their oppressors. So Gabe gets Dr. Demonicus to monologue about what his plan is. What's he, why is he doing this? It's a stalling technique that superheroes have learned to use, and it works well here. We get the backstory for Dr. Demonicus. He was contaminated during radio, radioactive experiments. He was a geneticist, and as a result of these, these experiments, he lost his job. He went crazy, found out about this meteor that was out here in the middle of the ocean. And so it's basically a perfect storm of like life events and motivations and all that leading him to go out, find that meteor that would allow for his evil scheme, the perfect evil scheme for exactly who he is and his particular skill set. So he created monsters from their DMA, D DNA. Um, he built an army from society's rejects, quote unquote, and he then enslaved a workforce of, again, quote unquote, stupid Eskimos. And his plan is world domination. He gets distracted from his monologuing by seeing Godzilla take down one of the monsters. And during the distraction, Gabe attacks Dr. Demonicus, hits him against some controls. Godzilla attacks the moth, saving Dum Dum Dugan. And then looking down at him closely and sniffing and grinning. Basically, they find out he or they believe that he was inspecting the damage and just he he left then. And then the former masters must submit to the freed slaves. And Dr. Demonicus is sent off to prison. But as he goes, he's thinking up new schemes. Meanwhile, Dum Dum Dugan, well, he just can't accept that maybe, just maybe, Godzilla saved his life and spared it. So none of these monsters are from Toho, um, except for maybe the moth creature might have been related to, to Mothra as far as the artistic inspiration. But... That's okay. I mean, Godzilla fights random monsters all the time, and this felt, again, like we're trying to get into a, a Godzilla movie. The social commentary, you know, Godzilla movies to me usually have some sort of sometimes very overt social commentary, sometimes very um, – it, it's, it's a little more hidden or it's very weak or thin – from these comics, which don't have much time to tell a story, I expect kind of a weak or thin uh, social commentary. But what I got from this one, I, I wonder if they were intending the social commentary that I am picking up here. Um, Dr. Demonicus, he's a racist. He is a racist. He um, tells Gabe when Gabe comes in, he says, freeze, black man. And... Then he, you know, he calls the Eskimos stupid Eskimos. He, he says the same kind of thing to, to Gabe again. And then you have him just enslaving an entire group of people. And, of course, the slaves then rise up against their oppressors. And, again, I, I just think that there's something trying to be said here that maybe doesn't quite make it to the surface. 
it might have been pushed down by editorial or it might have been the kind of thing where they had it in mind when they were doing the Marvel method and Doug Minch uh, did his outline and then Tom Sutton goes and draws it and then Doug Minch comes to put in the dialogue and realizes, oh, I can't get all the things I really wanted to get in. Um, Dr. Demonicus, though, he's a geneticist and he's interested in radioactive mutation. And uh, he so I, I, I'm wondering, is he kind of taking on that whole well, creating a new master race and then he uses it to create monsters? Uh, I, I don't know. I, this just seems to be something that I can kind of see race and class both seem to be part of the central social commentary ish thing that they're doing that doesn't really pay pay off or play out. Um, but Gabe and Dr. Demonicus's dialogue, it definitely has racial undertones and, you know, Dr. Demonicus wants to bend knee and he enslaves people who are beneath him. And it just, it's there kind of, but I I just don't know. Uh, beyond that, then you have, um, him giving his backstory and and he says, I would give my name, but I'm not a fool. I'd be a fool to give my name to you. But then he gives him all this information about I lost my job because of this. I had radiation poisoning. I this and this. He gives enough information that you could possibly figure out who the guy was if you had a good computer or something. And obviously they didn't have Google back then. But I mean, this is Shield we're talking about. They have giant computers that can do that kind of research. The other thing then, um, kind of I guess continuing in the uh, at least the kind of the prejudice angle of things is that Dum Dum Dugan continues his anti kaiju stance uh, he just doesn't accept he can't accept that godzilla might have had their best interests in mind he might have been actually coming there rescuing the slaves it's quite possible that was his motivation there and then actually helping dum dum dugan rescuing him and not doing anything more anyway overall these two issues make for a, a fun mashup of godzilla and shield and Marvel Universe, and it's it's a light read with a shallow, shallow, shallow message, if it even has one at all. But the art I'm enjoying, and honestly, if this is what we're getting out of our Godzilla comic, I want more. This is exactly the kind of thing I would expect and want from a comic book from the 70s featuring Godzilla and Marvel superheroes. So now we move on to find out if the next second half, the, 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 there's one more two-parter here that we're doing, and that is with the human fly. Part one was last month. Well, let's find out what part two is going to give us. Thanks for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine's Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed. You can find more discussion of many, many more comics like Superman and Spider-Man, What Ifs and Elseworlds, The Six Million Dollar Man and Batman, comics seven days old and seven decades old, on our main feed, which you can find on iTunes or at comicbooktimemachine.com. We'd also love it if you join us on Facebook at facebook.com or on Twitter, where we are at Comic Time. Next episode, Human Fly, number four from December 1977.